It is very much a joy for Nancy and me to be here with you this evening. Uh, I know many of you uh, from long ago, which means that either you or we are old now. Um, some of you I've never met, and uh, trust that the Lord knows you. And uh, you can be sure that I didn't come aimed at you in the preaching. Uh, if, if it feels aimed at you, it's the Lord and not the preacher. Um, I didn't, even those of you who I know, I didn't come aimed at you. But the Lord does that sometimes and for our good. What do you do when the storms come? Well, what we see in this text that we're going to read in just a moment is you remember when God calms the storm. You remember when God calms the storm in your life. You remember when God calms the storm in history. And you remember when God calms the storm in this text. And so please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 107. And we're going to consider just a portion of this psalm. It's a psalm that is altogether a call to give thanks. We just sang those words in thanksgiving to God. And it's a psalm in which the psalmist urges the hearers and the readers to give thanks, but not so much by way of command, but by way of recounting the goodness of God. This psalm calls you and me to give thanks as we recount the goodness of God. It's a psalm that's full of patterns, as many of you may be very familiar with. If you have your Bibles open, you look to uh, verse 4, it's, it's here in the New King James, it's they did this. And then you go to verse 10, those sat in darkness. In verse 17, fools. In verse 23, those. So it's, it's introducing people in certain circumstances and situations. And then it tells us some things about those circumstances and situations. And then we get this additional repeat. In verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. In verse 13, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. In verse 19, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And in verse 28, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And then this refrain, beginning in verse, we see it first in verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. And then verse 15, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. And verse 21, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. And verse 31, Oh, that men would would give thanks to the Lord. It's men, women, boys, and girls. And so we're told about people in certain circumstances that ended up in trouble. They called to the Lord. The Lord delivered them. They are encouraged to give thanks, as we are encouraged to give thanks. So let's consider this portion of the Word of God. We'll read about these who go to the sea in ships. Psalm 107, the Word of God, verses 23 through 32. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. They are at their wit's end. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. 
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the peoples and praise him in the company of the elders. And as we have heard from God in his word, please join me in your hearts as we pray and ask God's help in considering his word together. Our Father in heaven, we come to your word which is true and sure and ask that you would use it in our lives, that it would make us more true and more sure and that we would hear not the voice of the preacher but the voice even of Christ as we learn from you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't get it, maybe it's too late to have a rush to the bulletin that has an outline, but there is an outline. If you find it helpful, you're welcome to use it to follow along. Ever have a bad day at at life? (laughs) A bad day at work? What do we see here? We see folks sailing at sea. Now, here in landlocked central Indiana, sailing at sea probably sounds dramatic and exciting and perhaps amazing, perhaps terrifying. I don't know how you feel about water. But these folks were just going about their business. It was their business that they were conducting at sea. And we have in this account just folks carrying out normal day-to-day life. It may not be the day-to-day life that you and I have, but it's day-to-day life. And so we carry out our day-to-day life. Parenting, schooling, this is, I I, I heard, a university town. Um, Running or working at a business. So these sailors were carrying out their business at sea, but it went south in a hurry, and there came a terrible storm. A terrible storm, a storm that sounds like other storms that we read about in the Bible. We have Jonah who tried to flee from the Lord, and the Lord brought a terrible storm. We have the disciples asleep uh, in the boat with Jesus asleep, and a terrible storm comes, and they fear that they're going to die. In fact, the accounts are so similar that we sometimes might get mixed up. Which storm are we talking about here? And a couple of weeks ago, we had two of our um, twin granddaughters with us in in family worship, and they were getting confused. Is this this Jonah's storm, or is is it... Jesus' storm, no, it's a different storm, but it's similar to that storm. And it was a terrible storm. They were tossed up to the heavens and down to the depths, up and down, up and down. The cadence even of the text suggests this storm that is perhaps making you seasick. Maybe you've watched movies of storms at sea. And even though they're make-believe, they can be terrifying. It doesn't take much water to terrify me. I, I, I'm glad that the Lord hasn't asked me to be a sailor. But there are storms at life as well. Headaches. Doctor visit. Tests. Brain tumor. Normal pregnancy marred by elevated blood pressure, diagnosis of preeclampsia, emergency early birth, untimely death. 
or discomfort and a doctor checkup and some more tests and a diagnosis of cancer. Those sorts of storms come. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know the storms that you might be facing, but if you haven't faced storms, I'll be surprised unless you're really young. And even if you're really young, you may have faced storms. And your storm is your storm. Maybe your storm isn't cancer. Maybe your storm isn't tumors. Maybe your storm is just a a bad day at work. But your storm is your storm. Maybe your storm is you're riding your bike to work like you do every day and you have a wreck. Maybe more about that later. So sailing at sea, a terrible storm. And as this storm is taking place, both before and during and after, there's observing God's wonders and God's providences. You see, it's God who is in control. It's God who brings the storm. It's God who caused the storm. But it's God who is at work in the waters. We sing in Psalm 104 about God creating the sea creatures, including the sea monsters that play in the water or the Leviathan. We see God questioning Job. Where were you when I determined the boundaries of the sea? When it would exceed those boundaries, when I put its bars and doors in place? Where were you? And so God brings this storm. We see that very clearly in verse 25. God brought, at his command, he raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. Now, one thing that's different in this section from the previous two that we haven't looked at together, but if you know the psalm, you're familiar with it. If not, just look back a few, uh, a few verses. We see in verse 11, these folks sat in darkness because they rebelled against the words of the Lord. They were in trouble because of their sin. And then we, we go to verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. We see two specific accounts of people, God's people, it appears, who were in serious trouble because they had committed serious sin. In this section, there's no indication of that. They're just going about their daily business. Their business happens to be sailing at sea, and they're just going about what is normal for them. Not due to their disobedience, not due to their foolishness, not due to their sin. And so when you and I face storms at life, I think it's always a good question to ask, Lord, is there something I've done? Is there something you're trying to bring to my attention that has caused you to bring about these waves, this storm? But I don't think we have to spend undue energy on that. Ask the Lord sincerely in prayer. And often we don't know why the storms come. I almost hate to call it a storm, but we, we were camping this week, not camping, we were at uh, cabins at uh, New Harmony State Park with four of our kids and 16 of our grandkids and had a delightful week. And as we went to leave yesterday morning, my son's car broke down. We were on our way up to Anderson, Indiana for my mother-in-law's celebration of her 90th birthday, which isn't until December, but we're trusting God for six more months of life for her. And a lot of us were going to be together this summer. 
and uh, some of us made it, and some of us didn't. Uh, my son Alan and I got towed to a, a shop in, in uh, Evansville, got the car uh, in. I, I texted the kids. I said, pray that they can fix it, that it'll be quick, and that it'll be inexpensive. And God gave a yes answer to they fixed it. And I don't know why that happened. It was a bit of a frustrating day for me. But it was also a day that I was praying a lot. (laughs) Not a bad day if God brings something to make you pray a lot. (laughs) And storms tend to make us pray a lot. So they're observing the wonders of God. And it's good for you, especially if you're not now in a storm, to settle in your hearts that when the storm comes, it comes at the hand of God. Settle it now when you're not in the storm, because when you're in the storm, as we go on, you're reeling and staggering. Verse 27, they can't stand still. They stagger like a drunk. For these experienced sailors, it was a terrible experience. And again, you likely know that feeling, likely not in a storm at sea, although some of you maybe do, You've either had the experience or you've talked to someone who's been in a storm of life and they've said something like, or you've said something like, we're reeling a bit. We're staggering a bit. There's nothing sinful about being staggered by the storms of life. It is not inconsistent to on the one hand observe the wonders and the providences of God and on the other hand be reeling and staggering by those same providences of God. Not only were they reeling and staggering, they were miserable and helpless. Verse 26, their courage had melted away. They were in sheer terror. It's like the disciples who awakened Jesus who was asleep in the boat and said, Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? Your skills, like theirs, are going to be worthless at times in the storms of life that God will bring. You see, storms at life, storms at sea and storms at life are going to happen. Sickness is going to come. Untimely deaths do happen doesn't have to be that extreme. Children, none of you children, I'm sure, in the front row, but children are going to be fussy and dirty. Customers are going to be unfavorable. Students, none of you who are students, I'm sure, but students are going to be unfaithful and destructive and employees the same. And teachers, I don't know if any of you are teachers, but teachers are going to be unjust. And employers are going to be unjust and abusive. And co-workers are going to be corrupt. And people are going to be sinners. And sometimes after the storm is over, it's possible to work through some things that help to lessen the effects of the storm next time. But often we have to realize that we just can't fix it. Storms happen. Sailing at sea, a terrible storm, observing God's works and wonders, reeling and staggering, miserable and helpless. 
storms at sea, storms at life are going to happen. But again, I don't know all of you, and perhaps some of you aren't convinced that God is. Perhaps some of you aren't convinced that God exists, that God is at work in the details and the difficulties of life. Perhaps in your mind, when someone experiences what I've talked about as storms, you just attribute it to bad luck or bad karma. And to you, I challenge that you will never find outside of God a reasonable explanation. The best that you can do is life is hard and then you die. You will not find outside of God as he has revealed himself in the world and in his word a reasonable explanation and you will not find outside of God a reasonable hope. So if any of you are in that situation, and those of you who aren't in that situation, who are convinced that God is, and that God cares, and that God works, I offer, as this psalm offers, that there is an answer to storms. What can be done? Call to the Lord in your trouble. Call to the Lord in your trouble. Now, if the only time you call to the Lord is when you're in trouble, there's a problem. There's a problem with you. But if you don't call to the Lord when you're in trouble, there's a problem with you as well. Call to the Lord in your trouble. I mentioned that the two previous groups of people that this psalm talks about were people who were in trouble because of their own sin. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but... Some of you, I suspect, if I said, how many of you have been in trouble because of your own sin and you were being transparent, would raise your hand. And the thing I love about Psalm 107 is these folks that were in trouble because of their own sin called to the Lord in their distress. And these folks who were sailing at sea who were in trouble not because of any sin on their part, they were just going about their normal day called to the Lord in their distress. And we do that because the one who brought the storm is the one who can calm the storm. July 5th of last year, just over a year ago, I was riding my uh, e-bike. It's a pedal assist. I I work a lot, but the the battery helps me on the hills of Pittsburgh. And uh, 6.30 in the morning, about a half mile from home, on my way to work, and I had a wreck. Some of you perhaps heard about that. I kind of was reeling and staggering. Some folks sat me down on the curb. An ambulance came. I called my wife, said, don't come to the hospital. I think I had a wound above my eye. I think they'll just stitch me up and send me home. You can come pick me up. And then they took me to the emergency room. They took me to the trauma department. And they said, we're taking you to surgery. Your spleen is ruptured. Your kidney's badly uh, damaged. And uh, I woke up. A few hours later, gutted, literally, and uh, they actually left me open for 24 hours while they decided whether my kidney would survive the injury. Now, on a scale of world pain, that experience was probably one, if that. On the scale of ed pain, it was was a 10, at least a 9. And I lay that day and that night 
in pain in the intensive care room. And all I could do was call to the Lord in my trouble. And all night long, I remember praying three very simple prayers. I don't remember sleeping, but I woke up from time to time. You know, sometimes you you know you're drifting off to sleep. I never had that experience, but I woke up, so I must have gotten some sleep. But as I spent that pain-filled night, I prayed, Lord Jesus, suffer with me, because that's what he does. I prayed, Holy Spirit, strengthen me for the pain. Or take it away. (laughs) And I prayed, Father, deal with me as I am a weak, wounded child. Not very profound prayers, and I prayed them all night long. I called to the Lord in my distress. And he delivers. Call to the Lord in your trouble, and he delivers. What does the Lord do? He brings you out of your distress always immediately no and we need to remember that sometimes the storm gets worse i have a letter from a friend from a few years back he said this he said yes your god seems great but it doesn't happen like that for us i've seen my life totally disintegrate and i'd seen some of that disintegration He says, let me tell you my heartfelt prayer of January 20th. This was a few years ago. I was moved spiritually. I asked God if he was really there and he was to do something that showed me that he loved me in a major way, something wonderful. The next day I received a phone call out of the blue from my mother to tell me that that my mother had just taken a heart attack and had double pneumonia added to it. She was taken to hospital, spent the next month getting worse. She then got better enough for the doctors to attempt a stent which would have perhaps given her another two or three years of life. All seemed to be going well. But on the eve of the surgery, she took another heart attack, and the hospital could only send her home for hospice care. He writes, I was able to say I love you to this wonderful woman on the phone, and I heard a week I love you too coming back. She died yesterday, he said, and now she's gone. And he said, Ed, I love you with all my heart, but I hate your God. You see, if you're not convinced that God will hear you in your trouble, even if the answer is not immediate, even if the delivery doesn't come when you want it to come, then you will come to hate God. But God delivers. He delivers. Deliverance will come for those who cry out to the Lord in their trouble. We don't know if it'll be this day, or this week, or this month, or this year, or this life. But we know that deliverance will come. God will bring His people out of their distress, either this side or the other side of eternity. And maybe you're saying, well, that's just pie in the sky. I don't know if you know the history of that phrase, pie in the sky. It's, uh, it came from a song written by Joe Hill. You don't necessarily need to remember this, but I found it interesting. Joe Hill was a singer, a songwriter, a labor sympathizer. Some considered him 
to be a labor martyr. And he wrote this song as a parody against Salvation Army preachers of his day who he felt were preaching a pie-in-the-sky sort of religion. And so he wrote these words, Long-haired preachers come out every night, try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. But when asked about something to eat, they will answer in voices so sweet, you will eat by and by in, this glor- in that glorious land above the sky. Work and pray, live on hay, you'll get pie in the sky when you die. That's a lie. That was Joe Hill's view of the idea that God might take care of you in the life to come and not in this life. Now, he may have been reacting against some unjust actions, some people who cared perhaps more about the soul than the body, and the scripture calls us to care about both. But his declaration that a hope for the future is pie in the sky is held by many people. But the reality is, if you only have hope for this life, you and I are of all people the most to be pitied. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit a man if his, tr- if his life is trouble-free and his eternity is filled with the just punishment of God? For his unrepentant sins. Cry to the Lord. And he delivers. And what does he do? He lessens the storm. Here he makes the storm still. The waves that have been roaring. Are hushed. The shout of the storm. Was turned to a whisper. And often. Only God can calm the storm. Even the little storm of yesterday in the Ed and Alan Blackwood life. We, we, well, Alan thought he could have fixed it if we could have got it to his brother-in-laws who probably had the equipment to do it. But often only God can fix the problem. Only God can calm the storm. If you don't believe that, it's thunderstorm weather. I don't know what, we had the good thunderstorm Friday morning down in southern Indiana. I don't know what you've had here. But the next time you get a good thunderstorm, just go outside and try to stop it. You know, just see if you can stop the storm. Uh, let me tell you, you can't. But try it anyway. If, you, if you're skeptical, go ahead and give it a try. And we need to remember that in literal storms, God is the only one who can calm it. And often in figurative, circumstantial, relational storms, He is the only one who can calm it. And He will always do what is right. He will always do what is right. I don't know why we spent eight hours in a mechanic shop yesterday in southern Indiana. I don't know why my son got a bill for $800 that he had to pay. But I know God did what was right. And God will always do what was right. He lessens the storm. He moves you to peace and safety. Verse 30, you see, he guided them to their desired haven, their place of safety, their harbor where they could rest. And what a beautiful picture of the salvation that's offered in Christ. Perhaps you've lived your life striving for, longing for, searching for what will satisfy. And it's in Christ that you find this satisfaction. Maybe your life is fine, but empty. 
And then the storms come and there's little or no progress. And then the storms end. But even that doesn't satisfy. This safety, this rest is only found in God. In the person of Jesus Christ. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. No harbor other than Christ's will ever ultimately satisfy No harbor other than Christ's will ever ultimately satisfy. And so when God lessens the storm, when God moves you to peace and safety, how will you respond? Well, you'll respond the way the psalmist called us to all the way through. Express your thanks to God for his goodness. Verse 31, express your thanks to God for his goodness. And this psalm calls us not just to be thankful but to tell God that we're thankful. Some of you kids, I hope and suspect that your parents help you write thank you letters when you get a gift or someone does something kind to you. It's good to say thank you, not just to think thank you. And this psalm calls us to express our thankfulness to God. Express your thanks to God for his steadfast love. That covenant always and forever love. That even in the midst of the storm, you can hold on to knowing that no matter what happens, God is with you. No matter how dark the night seems, how deep the pain feels, God is with you. And whether the pain diminishes, whether the troubles go away, God is with you. He loves his people with a steadfast, always and forever love. Thank God for his wonderful works, even if those works are bringing terror to your life. Thank God for his salvation. And then express, uh, express your thanks to God and declare his greatness. There is what we're told in the psalm, exalt him, extol him. The idea is to raise him up. How, how can we, who are puny, raise up God who is majestic? Well, we do that by declaring just how majestic he is. We raise God up as we declare to him and to each other and to those around us how great God is, how high he is, how awesome he is. The disciples, when Jesus calmed the storm, were terrified. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They recognized how high This one who'd been asleep in the bottom of the boat really was. And so have you, I'm sure. And so do I. And you exalt him to others. You exalt him to the assembled church. Maybe you've had the experience, churches over the benedictions sung, uh, pronounced the, the last psalm is sung and its echo is still wafting gently in the rafters. And you get up and you've, begin to interact and you think, what should we talk about? What should we talk about? Let me give you something to talk about. Talk about the wonders of God with each other. Tell each other how wonderful God has been to you. How wonderful God is to you. Talk with each other about God's goodness and God's greatness. Storms come, but storms are calm call to the Lord in your trouble and he delivers, lessens the storm, moves you to peace and safety. 
So express your thanks to God and declare his greatness. God brings the storm, but he calms it too for his people. And so lift him up and give him thanks. Join me in your hearts as I do that now in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do exalt you. We lift you up. I suspect that many of us in this room can tell of storms of life that we have faced and can tell of how you have delivered us from our trouble. And we want to give you thanks. You are a God who has shown us grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a God who makes sense out of what sometimes to us seems to be nonsense. You're a God who hears us when we're in trouble because of our sin. And you're a God who hears us when we're in trouble because the circumstances of life at your hand have brought trouble. And so God... For these, your people in Bloomington Reformed Presbyterian Church, may they know with certainty the calming work of God. My prayer would be that their storms would be few and minimal. But no matter how many or how severe, may they know that you are with them. May they call to you. And may they, in the storm and after the storm, give you thanks and tell one another about your goodness and your greatness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing these words of the storm. We'll use Psalm 100. Let me check my bulletin. 107. D. Thank you. I, didn't, I can't find my bulletin. 107. D. It tells us of this storm. Let's sing to God. We'll stand and sing praise together.